right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sala here, going to get to our interview here shortly with Tommy Fleetwood. I was going to apologize for it being, you know, on the shorter side of interviews, but you know, we got a lot of content out this week. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it. Randy just recorded a great trap jaw with Jerry Foltz from the Golf Channel. We got a new Nest member podcast that came out. Uh, if you're curious about the Nest, go to nolayingup.com forward slash join. It's our membership profile, uh, our platform, I should say. Uh, a lot of great benefits are listed out there, one of which is a monthly uh, podcast. And there's actually two this month, maybe because we we missed last December for, for various reasons. But uh, we are going to get to our interview with Tommy uh, here shortly. We uh, got to give a shout out to the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. They helped us arrange this, made time available for Tommy. I had 30 minutes with him, squeezed as much out of him as I could. Uh, it's a lot of great stuff, but we really appreciate uh, them making Tommy available and they are also the sponsor of this episode, the 32nd edition of the Omega Dubai Desert Classic going to take place this weekend, uh, the 28th through the 31st. I don't know if you guys have ever seen pictures of Emirates Golf Club uh, when it was in construction. It was the first 18-hole golf course in the Middle East. Just take a look at and dig up these pictures of when it was being constructed, what Dubai actually looked like during that time. It's always one of my, it's just, it'll blow your mind. PGA champion and Omega ambassador Colin Morikawa going to make his debut at the tournament. Omega ambassador and 2017 champion Sergio Garcia will be there. Other major champions include Shane Lowry, Padraig Harrington, Henrik Stenson. Many Ryder Cup heroes include Ian Poulter, Paul Casey, and the recent race to Dubai champion Lee Westwood, and of course, Tommy Fleetwood, who you will be hearing from shortly. You can catch all the live action from the tournament on social media by following at Omega Golf Dubai, as well as mainstream broadcast sports networks. Without any further delay, let's get to Tommy Lad. So tell me about your offseason. I saw some uh, videos of a very recognizable swing at West Lancashire. It looked a little chilly. <laughs> You're out there with Finno, but uh, what's golf like in uh, northwest England at this time of year? Uh, well, pretty much as you described it, cold. It was funny, really, because, I mean, like normally I finished the year in Dubai and then we have like, I mean, that's like the end of November. So then you have a month. I mean, you have like loads of time in December where you can choose to do what you want and then I've I've always started my season in the Middle East so far in my career. So then you have like the first couple of weeks in January as well. So you have like a nice bunch of time off. Whereas this this time, it, by the time we got home, I think we got home on sixteenth, seventeenth of December. Then you've got the run up to Christmas. You know, Frankie's three this year, so it was like his first sort of Christmas where he it was like he knew what was going on. Um, so I didn't have loads of time. So I, I got in a couple of games of golf where we actually live. I live more in the countryside now. So like 50 minutes outside of Southport and it was snow, like thick snow for, um, for a week and a half. And if, but if you drive 50 minutes to the coast on Southport, there's not a drop. So you can, you can play golf there. And it's, you know, I, I like it. Anytime I'm playing golf and it's not, like in the tournament mode, I could shoot 150 and just still love the game. Like I have no, I, I just, I can just hit shots and just have a nice time with people. And um, so, yeah, whatever conditions, and we're not really ones to shy away from conditions, but that particular day was actually very nice. 
Nothing is pa- signifies the passage of time for me better than Frankie being three. I remember when you won Abu Dhabi, <laughs> yeah. and we're in the clubhouse afterwards upstairs, and yeah. he was a baby then. I, know. I can't, cannot believe that was three years ago. But I know it's um, it's crazy, really. I like it's funny doing the kid thing because, of course, you know Frankie's my only experience of being dad, and um, like so many people that say to you, you know, make the most of every every minute. It goes so quick, and you're like, yeah, well. Yeah, I'm sure, whatever. But in reality, it really does go so quick. And people um, say that like you can control time. Like they said that to me before my wedding. Like, hey, it's going to go quick. Like, okay, yeah. what can I do about that? There's yeah, nothing I yeah, can do no, about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's, thanks for telling me, but like, <laughs> not giving me any like useful advice here that can uh, <laughs> that can help me alter it. But um, you know, he's he's honestly like not fathers. The two, you know, my two stepkids as well, Oscar and Mo. Who, like, I've been watching them grow up, and I mean, I'll like they're mad obsessed mad keen with the game and i i actually like there was a moment and it was it was not that long ago it was like six months ago or something but i'm i'm like practicing and i'm playing with mo somewhere and he's gone you just aimed a little bit left there and like it just looked like you pushed it to the target and then you just let it like you just overdid it and i turn around and i'm and i'm thinking well what's happened here like i'm like, I, like all of a sudden, the, my kids are like, he's giving me a lesson. All of a sudden, and um, it, yeah, it's it, it's it's just every there's always like every stage that we're going through. It's just really really funny. But Oscar and Mo now are just at that point where so keen on the game, and I can actually I, I could hit a put and say, "What did you think of that, Mo?" And he'll he'll give me an answer or Oscar will. And it's um, it's really I'm sure Frankie will be at that stage in about six months probably. God, I was gonna say you're gonna be asking them for advice yeah. sooner, sooner rather than <laughs> I later. But I know. we're recording this a few weeks before it's gonna air, so we're a couple of weeks out from the uh, Omega Dubai Desert Classic. But you're already in Dubai. Is that is that a normal thing for you to do, or is this a kind of COVID influenced scheduling move to be there this early practicing and stuff? Uh, no, it's it's pr- it's pretty regular actually. Last year we we were having work done on the house back in the UK, still live in the UK, and we decided to. I mean, we basically lived in Dubai for three or four months, which was great. It's it's just, it's one of those places, again, like I say, I've always started my year in the Middle East. I always start, I've always started it in Abu Dhabi. So coming out to Dubai, we spend the winter or the month of December, whatever it is, in you know cold conditions. Sometimes you just want to take the time off and you don't want to do anything, which is fine. Um, but yeah, coming out here, the facility is great. And yeah, like I say, like pretty much... If you want to find a European tour player, you might as well come to Dubai this week and you just see guys dotted around. Basically, um, every everyone's here just getting ready for Abu Dhabi. And it, and it does work out well. Um, the conditions are amazing. I think today was the first time I'd seen a cloud. I've been here for a week. And uh, it was like the, it was like the sun disappeared for a minute, and and we were, and we were sort of looking at each other like that's weird. What, like what's got what's the oh there's a cloud there. It's just the sun's just come behind the cloud. Um, but yeah, it's great, and and like the you know the conditions of the courses are all great and everything. So it just it's like an easy transition into playing in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and that. Well, for a lot of Americans, I think uh, you know Dubai and the Emirates are kind of a blind spot. Like I, when I went to Abu Dhabi a few years ago, I was just kind of surprised, I guess, at the volume of expats. I think that's kind of you yeah. know a a, a, yeah. a a thing that Europeans are know and are more familiar with. But you know, you've 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 been there for experience, uh, extended periods of time. What's what's your you know experience been like uh, in places like Dubai? I would say Dubai is one of the easiest places on the planet to get around anywhere. You know, it is very multicultural and there is a lot of expats. 
one of the biggest things is how popular golf is over here. I think in Dubai, there's seven or eight courses. I, I guess I, you know, I'm not going to count them all off the top of my head, but all of them are packed. Golf is really, really popular. Like, um, you know, I'm almost more likely to get recognised in Dubai for being a golfer than I than I am where I live at home. Um, <laughs> it's it's that it's that kind of place, but it's it's great. It's always been great, and again when you go somewhere so much you you obviously feel more and more comfortable anyway so this is a ninth or tenth year on tour now so i'll you know i've been here a lot playing the events as so many of the other guys have and it's just i guess you just get really comfortable with it and um there is so many so many expats and then you just get used to seeing familiar faces and you and you know the course and the facilities you know hotels and restaurants and it's it just always stays it's been kind of a very like stable um atmosphere here as in terms of like there's always stuff going on but it never really changes that much it always kind of remains busy and the weather's obviously always the same and it's it's just a yeah i think i think most people really enjoy coming here it's kind of like a bubble almost you know it's it's really you know you're not that close to much but it's this true international hub you know like you said you can get anywhere from it and it's just this perfect climate and I know it gets hot there in the summer and whatnot, but this time of year, man, it's got to be got to be pretty perfect. But um, you, you kind of, you know, you, you made some statements briefly, just kind of talking about, you know, your disappointment and your finish in your race to Dubai, and debriefed on 2020 with, you know, some disappointment in your year. You you talked about some about marginal gains you can make to make yourself better, and, and I'm curious at your level. What are those marginal gains? How do you get better at your level without changing something, without tearing anything down? I'm wondering if you could kind of take us through kind of your thought process as we go into a new year. Uh, yeah, I, I think as you, I'm still learning a lot as I go, but I, I, I think, you know, as you keep improving as a player and as you get to these certain levels, I think tiny amounts make a make a big difference, whatever, whatever they might be. I think, I think these days we have unbelievable access to statistics and equipment for starters like we like the things that you have access to that are, you know are there to try equally you can i think nowadays it's easier than ever to go down the wrong path as well but there's so much access for information for you to get better whenever you play i think you're always looking for what is going to give me you know the biggest chance to get better really and last year yeah 2020 was on for for a season that actually started out promising i had a really good event in abu dhabi i finished second honda i talk about that shoulda woulda coulda or you know near misses that's fine but i you know i started the year playing well and then and and then covid came in pretty much i missed the cut of bay hill and then covid came in spent the time at home and then when you when i came back out i was kind of on a pretty normal trajectory really played the first week at 3m was a bit rusty missed the cut whatever uh memphis kind of wasn't playing great but had a good last round and then the pga i you know like little things you forget i'm on the last hole and i need a birdie for a 63 and a major again like you know that's that's good golf and i was playing really well and i was in the last group on saturday but then from there i just kind of i just kind of struggled my approach play was nowhere near and i i think i got into a like a couple of bad habits and felt a bit lost in kind of understanding really, which is something that I've never struggled with in the past in like when I was out there, just mm, swing not really where I think it is and I'm not quite understanding it well and struggled to play from there. And I think there were some positives from last year. I putted really, really well, um, especially especially in the States on the PJ. So I putted really well and I just felt like 
there were certain areas of my game that I've seen as a strength in the past that weren't a strength really. But I think sometimes you feel more confident about those areas that you can work on them and get them back. And and yeah, there's there's, there's small things like the it might be the way you practice. It might be that you know what I'm gonna hit shots to a certain pin on the golf course in practice rounds or might be like yeah I'm gonna try and not have coaches out at some events so I'm gonna try and look at preparing in a different way I think there's always things that everybody on tour is always looking for like something like something as as small as it may be or as big whatever everybody just never stops looking and I can't I I think I thought Maybe a lot of people do. I thought when I was young and coming out, I would get to a stage where I'm probably just going to keep doing the same thing for a long time and maybe I'll grow a load of experience and I'll have practiced a lot and I'll get my game to a place where I'm just going to keep practicing that and play well. And I I'm, I, I think I might be figuring out that it might never be like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's a never-ending quest. And yeah. you were, I think you were pretty careful there not to, you know, not to make too many excuses for yourself there for 2020. But if I may say so, jump in here to say... You had it, you know, of of all the professional golfers in the world, I think, you know, people from and someone like in your circumstance might have had it the worst in terms of how it would have reflected on your professional play. You have a young son at home in England and you have to try to balance now, you know, if you're going to travel internationally between the two countries having quarantining requirements and you basically it it seemed like your strategy was like I'm going to be spending my time at home and I'm going to be coming back for this major swing but I don't want to be away from my family for that long did did I sum up kind of that that kind of internal discussion with yourself and family discussion you had with that and and how that affected your you know your whole season yeah I I think definitely from months in the UK in the middle of the year you sit there and we would have a we, we literally had a daily briefing um from the government on what was happening and and what the news was and you would sit there and you would watch it every day and um you would see news from overseas and i i think you well you definitely never get a clear picture from the news like you don't really know what's going on and when i when i when i did go out to america i knew straight away with the quarantine rules the way everything was even though the season and and golf had started again I wasn't going to be coming out till later on that year because once I got out and I was I was planning on making it all the way through the FedEx and playing all the events and and that would be a long stretch and I would keep going all the way through that so that I think it, I worked out I you know I'd have nine weeks straight um in America which yeah it's my job it's a funny situation that's absolutely fine uh I'll grill through it but yeah it is different and I think one of the I think the biggest thing I struggled with last year was for since I was 16 probably 17 years old I've traveled um a lot like whether I was an amateur and I was playing amateur events playing for England and playing challenge tour onto the European tour I've always traveled so I've never spent tons of time at home and the time that we did spend at home that summer I had such an amazing time you know, literally spending every minute of the day with Frankie or the kids or Claire, whatever it was. And we, at the time, I didn't want to, when people say, you know, how's it going for you and everything, I didn't really want to say, I'm having an amazing time. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to say that to people. I don't want to sound that, I don't want to be that person that sounds really positive about such a tough time. But the fact was, we were, like, we had a great time. We're lucky that we have a nice home that we live in we're all really happy and we just loved that time together like that summer and 
the initial thing I struggled with was all of a sudden I went like I went away and I was like this is weird like I've never felt like this before and I kind of had such a good time at home like going away isn't that great anymore and and I, I I guess I had to get used to that again and how that was and that was probably something that maybe affected me more than I would let on because yeah don't like making an excuse at the end of the day like the clubs clubs don't know any different the board doesn't know any different and you're playing a golf course and you play golf all your life and sometimes you just see that you're hitting bad shots or swinging it bad but there are other things that go into it but yeah that was um something different really something that I never felt before you've just it's set so set in what you do that when you come out of it and go back in things are a bit different yep no that's that's very well said um well i got a couple uh a lot's happened since the last time you were on the podcast and a couple we're not gonna be able to sum it sum it all up but uh i want to go to the Ryder cup i'm gonna go to france i think uh you know okay. just just going to the wikipedia page got me like i i started hearing the chants all over again and it was giving me <laughs> some sort of ptsd you know as, a, yeah. as i'm going through it which i'm not enjoying but uh frankie bonari was on the podcast uh last march and he told he told the story of the how the European the, the video came together of you two in bed uh, after winning the Ryder Cup that was yeah. published on the European tour. I just want to know: Do you want to refute any parts of that story? Do you want to tell your side of that story? <laughs> uh, I don't know what his I don't know what his side of the story was, but I uh, I, I I could I could let's tell just it say and... he he bared it all, if you will. He he told us the story. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was. I mean, the actual like the amount of takes that we actually tried to do that video was like the funniest part. Cause it was, I mean, Gibbo decided that this video, like we were going to do this, like great idea, you know, whatever time I, I couldn't even put a time on it anymore. I, I don't know. It was 1am, 2am midnight, whatever it was. And yeah, when we were up in the room and <laughs> everyone gave us room and he's like, okay, like you guys get in the bed. This is what we're going to do. Fran's like, okay. Like, you know, turns around to get in the bed and I just like took everything off. And I'm like, oh. but like, as soon as Fran like saw, it was just just a really really funny time. So we got the giggles at that, and then once we were in, Fran after he's had like a drink is so funny, and all it took was like to just look at each other, and we we just couldn't stop laughing, and it it was like it took so long to do, and and then came and then came out really good. But Fran, uh, Fran's very Fran's very very funny. <laughs> when he's had a drink he lit up telling that story everyone kind of <laughs> at least like to the outside world he's kind of you know even the golf channel teases him for being kind of robotic but yeah, when yeah. he got the chance to tell that story i saw a side of him that i'd never really seen before, oh good but. good he's got like he's got a really english sense of humor as well um that people probably don't don't see but he's got like a a very high level of sarcasm to him well, you know, that week was obviously incredible for you two. You guys went 4-0 and together. You went up, but you played Tiger three times. Does that sound right in, in the match play, in the team portion of it? You know, yeah. you've played plenty of times with Tiger in, you know, you know regular stroke play events. Yeah. But what's it like to go up against him in a Ryder Cup? I think we were lucky that he wasn't at his best for starters, but he still always pulls out, like, the odd shot that you're like, come on, Tiger. Like, that's that's not even fair. The Ryder Cup was amazing. I think I still remember getting the draw on in the opening ceremony when the draw came out, and um, we were playing Tiger and Patrick Reed. Um, but yeah, you know, like that whole week, I actually found like I, I write I write stuff sometimes, and I found the other day rooting through a draw. There was like a piece of paper, and it was it was from that Ryder Cup, 
and it was um, on the so I, it was literally just from Friday, and that particular Friday was Frankie's first birthday, um, so it was a special day anyway. Then I, you know, I'm playing with Fran, who's a really close friend. It's my first Ryder Cup. It's in France, and I'd I'd wrote down like a couple of things from the day. I said it was my son's first birthday. I played in the Ryder Cup, my first Ryder Cup. I went two and zero, and I actually that day we beat. So there was Tiger, Jordan, and JT who had all been world number one at the time. And then there's Patrick Reed, his Captain America. And I was like, yeah, we we like we went to and ho against these people. Like that's really cool. There's certain things that I think, yeah, you go through in in your career or whatever and you play, and then you just you do actually just move on from them really. You like you don't like live it out. And I'm definitely not gonna live on the back of, yeah, I had a great time at the Ryder Cup. But there there are special moments in your career that you do need to appreciate. You need to make sure that you remember. Yeah, those couple of days, like playing that Ryder Cup was so good. And I got a lucky experience that for my first Ryder Cup, it was at home. It was on a course that I'd played a bunch of times. You know, I was playing with, you know, Fran was next to me as a really close friend. I, the first tee shot, which is people's, people describe as like, don't know how to make contact with the ball. You know, you get on that. I actually don't like that first tee shot, but look at the eyes it's like at the time i had that blue nike five wood that i just couldn't miss with um like there was a lot of things that went in my favor that week um that i was really really lucky of and it all you know equaled having such a great experience plus the team play amazing you're on a winning Ryder cup team like it's it's very very special that first tee shot was cruel for the, the, all the people that they put around there and gave you a hole that was not driver. I, I, I don't know how you guys were finding the club face though. I mean that it's one thing to just step up and pound a driver, but that was not an option on that one. But uh, oh, I was like, it was like, um, and, and Fran in his, so at the, you know, Fran set of clubs at the time. I remember on, there was one of the days it was like the Tuesday, of the Ryder cup and he's t- testing this three wood that is topped on the ninth in the practice round so we play that morning in four balls he's got a two iron he was like yeah i don't know why this club's in my bag like i very rarely hit a good shot with this club and i think he might have hit it into like the 17th when he won the open or something hit a great shot so i was like i'm sure you've hit good shots at the time he's gonna nod this club i don't like it at all so in the foursomes on friday afternoon we get onto the first tee we have i mean we literally had like a 20 minute turnaround we get onto the first tee and fran's hitting the first tee shot so i I'm just stood on the first tee anyway. I've got nothing to do. I'll just stand there and I'm fine. Anyways, discuss with his caddy, Peo. Takes the club out of his bag, turns to me, shows me the number two and just gives me this like look with his eyebrows as if as if I'm hitting this off the first. <laughs> like moments that people don't see. You can't believe that, yeah, like Franz, you know, he's got this two iron that he hates and he's hitting off the first tee at the Ryder Cup. It's, it's hard enough as it is, but that was funny. <laughs> Did he hit the fairway? More than likely, he hits okay. most, doesn't he? Um, so I know you, you can't speak necessarily to the American process for how, you know, pairings come together and whatnot, but I'm wondering, I, I believe there's quite a contrast in how, you know, how we end up kind of setting our team out versus how the European team does. And I'm sure you don't want to divulge too many secrets, but how did that, how did that work in terms of, you know, does uh, captain, your captain was Thomas Bjorn. Does he come up to you guys and say like, Hey, the formulas are spitting out that you two should play together. Or, Hey, I believe your guys' games are compatible. I'd like you two to play together. Did you go to him? Say we want to play together. How did, you know, there was a lot of things that worked great on that European team. And I know there's some statistic analysis that you know, kind of is involved in that, but you guys seem so much more receptive to that information and captaincy than we do on the U S side. And I'm just wondering how you could, if you could speak to how all that came together. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the, the, you know, the made you know biggest difference is really. I think yeah, that there was definitely stats involved these days, which you know clearly play a big part in it. I think what Thomas did well, and it, again, I played one Ryder Cup, so it's my only experience. He was asking questions two years in advance, which I'm sure every everybody does. You know who you like. There's never really anybody that you know you play in the Ryder Cup. There's not really anybody that's going to say yeah, I don't want to play with him, but it might happen. He's always asking questions, and I think after the first day in particular, I guess pairings might come easy. I don't know where they come easy. I I guess they do. I I think me and me and Fran, for instance, were on a holiday together in the Albany in the Bahamas before the Northern Trust, the first FedEx event, and we, you know, basically discussed that we wanted to play together then. You know, that was simply set. And I think there's definitely certain pairings that stand out. The certain players that, you know, say John Rahm, for instance, I think he was paired perfectly with Justin Rose. I I think there's things that, you know, that seem to match nicely. And then I guess after that, there has to be a bit of like putting Pulse and Rory together is like a, there's something about that pairing that you think, yeah, it's got a lot of passion to it, a lot of talent. They match up so, so well. And I, I think maybe you have to work out a particular situation or what the team might need at that time or I don't know I it's 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 a really it seems a it does seem a tough job at the same time you think you know you're looking at the 12 best players in Europe and the 12 best players in in America you think right guys just you know what just anybody can go out with anyone just go and play and it, it's funny how that still just doesn't work out that way I mean you would think it's so you would think it's quite an easy thing to do. Like, and if the guys play well, great. If they don't, then there's nothing you can do. But I, I do think there's definitely an art to being able to pick a great partnership. And there's, there's players that are going to want to play with each other. And um, there's players equally, there's players that are going to want to play with each other, but you guys probably aren't going to play that well together. Or you guys don't, you you know, your games don't match up for this course. There's got to be something in it. Um, it's 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 a it's a really funny one, and I've probably not answered your question at all. And just no, I'm more confused than <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, I, I I feel confused listening to my answer. So <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not ready to be a Ryder Cup captain at the moment. Well, I just I we had Paul McGinley on the podcast earlier last year or late last year, and you know he just kind of laid out like twelve minute a twelve minute part that is just like here's what Sam Torrance did with me, here's what I did with Victor <laughs> Dubuisson, what I did with Graham McDowell, told him to go. Yeah, play you should you should ask you should ask though you okay. should ask Paul McGinley or those people about pairings, not not me. Your job is to play. You you do that just fine. So. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, ch- changing gears here, and I know i got to let you go here shortly, but you finished second at, at Royal Portrush, and Shane Lowry goes out and wins that by six. So I, I want to I know, like, what does a finish like that mean to you? It's not, it's not going to be etched in people's memories, but I, I'm curious to pick the brain of a competitor in this situation and say, does it matter to you if you finish two or six shots back of first if you beat everyone else in the field? If I mention Portrush, is that good, happy memories for you or kind of bitterness that you played great and didn't get a win? Both. Um, I think there's a couple of sides to it. There's, um, well, for starters, yeah, Shane won by six. Shane was the best player that week by a long way. I feel like it was closer on that Sunday than six shots at times. I felt on that Sunday, the momentum clearly early on meant a lot and I had two great shots into one and missed the putt. He held the same length of putt for bogey. I mean, there was a massive swing that could have happened there. It turned into a shot and a couple of putts in definitely in the first four holes, five holes that 
you, you know, you, like I look back and I had to make them. If I was going to have any chance, I had to make them. But equally on that back nine, all of a sudden, you know, it's nothing's ever over. And I, I started playing well in some tough conditions and Shane's still got to go and do it. And to be fair to him, he did an absolutely amazing job. And he wins by six. So it kind of looks like I was nowhere near. I felt a bit closer than that. And the other part of that whole week was, um, I've said it a bunch of times and I'll say it all my life. The Open is, if I could pick one event, the Open is the one for me. Like I, you know, I want to win the Open more than any other tournament. Um, It's definitely like my biggest dream. And uh, so it's a very special event to a lot of people and I think driving home any major really you know so you start out Thursday and everybody has a chance if you have a de- if you have a good round Thursday yeah you've got a great chance if you have a good round Friday chances are getting even better if you have a good round Saturday I drove we, we drove home on Saturday I've got one day and I'm actually I'm in second place I'm 28 years old I'm I'm not that old but like I've been playing golf a long time and I'm driving home thinking I'm a day away from potentially like achieving my biggest dream here. This is like, this is big. Yeah. Like it's, it's huge in so many ways. And that I was really, really, I was deflated after that. It hurt more than any other event, even not being that close to Shane, but finishing second hurt a lot. It was just something that, you know, you have, you have to deal with. And it probably makes it better that it wasn't by a shot. Like, I didn't have a chance to get into a playoff or win the tournament. I didn't have two putts to win and three-putted. I didn't, you know, he didn't birdie the last to beat me. It, it wasn't like that. It was, I was a long way behind. Uh, I finished second and got the closest I've ever got to of winning that tournament. So, I guess it, it, well, it was definitely better that way. But at the same time, it still hurts when you've been very, very close to achieving something that you've wanted your whole life. Well, I, I wasn't going to mention this one, but something you said there makes me want to ask about Wing, or I'm sorry, about Shinnecock. Then mm-hmm. you have, you know, a final round, sixty-three. So if I if I mention Shinnecock, does your mind go first to the happy memories of a final round, sixty-three, or the frustration of a putt for sixty-two that missed on the low side, and and you end up missing <laughs> out on a playoff by one? It probably goes to the last three holes that day um, of the Sunday. Like um, I had a really good chance on sixteen, but. You know, I get to that point and US Open greens are so quick and treacherous and that Sunday they're a bit softer and a bit slower. Maybe Saturday had something to do with it, but um, <laughs> they, it was it was definitely set up a little bit softer and slower and I had a really good chance for birdie on 16 and left it short from like 10, 12 feet. But again, US Open greens are quick. You're not going to kick yourself in the stomach for it. Um, and you poured 17. some putts in to that point. And I, and I poured some putts in. Yeah, we don't remember those ones though. I just and then 17, I had a great iron shot straight down the pin. It was really hard to get closer than 18. You know, played the whole great and it a good put and miss. And I think I I would look at those three holes and then I remember sat there, you know, in the afternoon and just watching, for, for whatever reason, as soon as I walked off that golf course, I thought, that's one short. Like, it's going to be one behind that. And Brooks was stood on the 10th, Brooks on the 10th or he was on the 11th tee. And, um, you know, what, what Brooks did keep doing was kind of giving me a sniff. He like hit it over the back on 11, looks like he's going to make double, hits it long on 12, gets up and down. I'm like, this bastard. He keeps like like look, making me feel like I've got a chance. I, I just, something about me told me it was like one short. But again, I sat there for two hours 
watching that back nine thinking I might win the US Open here. Um, and it, it is it is an amazing feeling. It really is. I, you know, I really do want to know what it feels like to win a major. Um, but there's there's a lot of people that never get the chance to feel what it's like to even come close to winning a major and actually having that possibility. And at that US Open, I actually had more chance of winning for a while than I did of than I did of the Open. So that that was kind of a, a closer call that can that came from. You know, may, it would have been a, a backdoor win, but I I don't think, you know, people would see it that way. It would probably always be notched that, you know, Tommy Fleetwood shot 63 and, and won the US Open. But again, I think the uh, one thing I can look at is the performances of the guys that, that did win. I've never really given it away. Brooks is arguably the greatest major champion of our era at the moment. And Shane, it was 100% his week. You know that's absolutely fine by me. I can live with that. Hmm. Have you watched the the putt on eighteen? Because I just saw it. I was just in in prepping for uh, this. Probably what? a few thousand times. Well, did I saw a different angle and it hit something on the way. Like it hit something and and it might have already been low, but it definitely hit something on the way to the hole. Have you seen that? Uh, well, yeah, it, I, yeah, it, it does have like it does have a little bubble like a lot of putts do. It was it was under red, I think, but. <laughs> Well, you know, that 18th green's pretty hard. It's the steepest green on the planet. And, um, yeah, I mean, I of course, I would love to hit it again. But I actually, you know, hit the putt where, where I wanted it to go pretty much. And it was just a, it was an under-read. And, yeah, that green's so easy to do that on. Um, whether it misses high, low, short, long, makes no difference. But I've watched that putt a lot. And to be honest, it's not the greatest feeling watching it because it, it was a putt that missed, which was potentially a history making putt but at the same time whenever i watch that there's certain feelings that come back from such a great round of golf like as good as a as good of a round of golf that i've ever played on a sunday of a major so it's still yeah hurts a bit don't particularly like watching it but it does bring some good feelings back well we will change subjects here and i'll let you out of here on this hey, well, you're, all right, you're all right you're <laughs> what, uh, what's got you excited for uh for 2021 I think restarting again. What I really want to happen is life gets back to some kind of normality. And I think, yeah, we get to play golf. We get to do our job and we get to play for a lot of cash, by the way, while people are struggling in the world. So we're extremely, extremely lucky. But I would still love the atmosphere of golf to come back. I, I still want to see people come to watch. I still want to help putts be in contention for tournaments, have those moments that thousands of people watching get to be a part of and feel that. But yeah, at the same time, I, I love the game. I love playing. Like I say, a couple of great things are going on and I'm just looking forward to getting out on golf course and playing, really, doing what I love. Well, we look forward to seeing it. So uh, best of luck uh, as, as this airs this week in Dubai and uh, with the whole start of the season in the Emirates. And uh, we look forward to hopefully hopefully being able to gather and watch in person uh, some golf back stateside once you once you make your way this way as well. So thanks, uh, thanks a ton uh, for your time, no, Tommy. Thank you very much. It's nice to uh, nice to have the opportunity to come back on again. Um, you know, I'd like to be asked more, but that's fine. That's fine. You guys pick and choose who you want. I'm, I'm happy to be bottom of the list. It's okay. That's not how it works at all. I try to give you a little <laughs> bit of time to make sure I'm not too that's needy. Okay. Uh, but if you want me to blow you up, I'll ask. We'll have you on every month. But uh, <laughs> no, best I'll of luck. Be I appreciate no, it. Thank you very much. Uh, no, I love. Uh, yeah, I love it. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks a ton, Tommy. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? 
That is better than most. Better than most! Expect any 